0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. So I want to start off and ask this question. I'm wondering how many of you, and you could just write it in the chat or just kind of put a little emoji on your screen. How many of you heard the term catfish or catfished or catfishing? All right, if if you have... Go ahead and just put a little emoji on your screen so we know that you have heard that phrase before. Some of you are thinking, wow, catfish, I've ate that last week. So some of you have no clue. So let me go ahead and define for you what the word catfish means in the context of now social media and all the different social uh, avenues that we have. So I'm going to take it from the Cambridge Dictionary. It defines catfish or being catfished as this, someone who pretends on social media to be someone different. So it's not really real, all right? It's fake. So someone who pretends on social media to be someone different in order to trick or attract other people. Now, some of you know with this usage of catfish, back in 2012, MTV actually made a TV show out of that. It was simply called Catfish And it was people who pretended to be somebody that they really weren't, and then they were able to finally meet that person. It was crazy. Uh, I just saw a couple episodes just for this sermon, praise the Lord. I'm just thinking, I don't have time to look at all these different TV shows, but I I wanted to know what was going on, so I watched a couple clips of it. And it's interesting because it has been a, a problem now because of the social media that is prevalent in our society. Now, some of you who might not know, there were some well-known catfishing situations uh, throughout the last 20-some years or maybe 15-some years. And some of you might have heard them before. Some of them were very high-profile situations that were dangerous. Others were more celebrities who were duped, and they believed it was somebody else. But then it was not. So, you know, these are things that uh, we're going to learn as we look into some of their lives so let let me give you some and you'll see their pictures on the screen so that some of you might be able to recognize them the first one is Thomas Gibson I don't know if you've ever met him before or seen him before Uh, he's an actor on the famous tv show criminal minds if you enjoy that so what happened was there was a person on twitter who put a sexy uh kind of like a real enticing picture But it wasn't really him or it wasn't really her, but it was somebody else that they ended up getting from, like, I think a porn site or whatever. So he ended up actually thinking that it was this girl that looked on the picture. And so what happened was they began a relationship. Now, the interesting part was that relationship actually went on for two years. Can you imagine being in a relationship where you haven't really met that person uh, different videos are being sent or pictures are being sent. You actually are in this relationship, but you've never met them in person. And it was interesting because it was a person who was a fan of this TV show, Criminal Minds, and also of this actor. And this person, she was from North Dakota. I mean, that's way up north, you know, where it ain't California and it ain't New York, all right, or Chicago. But it's North Dakota. So you, they have a lot of time on their hands. So she catfished him and he ended up falling for it. Here's another one, and I don't know if you know who Brad Paisley is. He's a country music singer and a writer, and you'll see that it's his wife here, who is, uh, her name is Kimberly Williams uh, Paisley, and it was interesting because it was through the wife that a person, a fan, actually contacted her and began to start dialoguing and saying that their daughter had this cancer and she didn't have much time to live, that it was a terminal cancer. And so as they began to dialogue together, she involved her husband, the singer, and said, hey, let's do something for this child who's going to be passing away soon. And so they started this relationship. And through that, they wanted to support this family. And later on, they found out that it was all a hoax, and it was just a fan who wanted to be able to be close to this person. Here's another one. You guys know who Iggy Azalea is? She's a rapper and a model. And it was interesting about her situation because she was catfished by somebody that it was so embarrassing. She didn't want to even admit it because what happened was someone reached out to her on Twitter. So I think Twitter is a very dangerous place. But anyway, reached out on Twitter and just kind of told her, like, I'm really a big fan of yours. And she was interested, not in terms of like a sexual relationship or anything. She was just like, oh, such a nice person. So she ended up accepting his invite and they started dialoguing together and after a little bit guess who that person was it was her mom so her mom catfished her can you imagine her mom catfished her now the next couple that i'm going to share are a little bit more serious because as many of you know there are things that happen that are also very harmful and even to the point fatal uh katie uh casey woody i don't know if you've ever heard of her or seen her Back in 2002, some of you weren't even born. Lord have mercy. She was 13 years old, and she began this enlightened friendship uh, who was supposed to be a guy who's 17 years old. So she's 12, and then there was a guy who was a, supposed to be a 17-year-old boy, and his name was Dave uh, Fegan. But the thing was that he was actually 47 years old. So he was a predator, and he was grooming this girl. And what happened was his name was actually David Fuller, and you'll see the picture there. And he ended up, after a series of just dialoguing, months and months of building this relationship, he ended up going to her house and then abducting her, and then in the middle of the night, and then what they found out later was that she was raped, she was shot in the head, and then he committed suicide. So both of their bodies were found in this minivan. And so once again... Uh, You know, we have like funny ones where it's your mom who's catfishing, but we also have some serious one that leads to fatality. Another one, as some of you might have heard before, it was pretty popular uh, back in the early and mid-2000s as well. But there was a a girl named Megan Meyer. And what happened was she ended up receiving a friend's request from a 16-year-old boy. She was about 14 years old. So there was a 16-year-old boy that actually... uh, friended her, and it was back in 2006, what happened was that he began to invade her life in a very charming way, and then towards, after some time, he began to send hurtful messages, almost like cyber, uh, cyber bullying, and what began to happen was that that person, his name was Josh Evans, was really the next-door neighbor, the mom. Her name was Lori Drew. And then it was the Sarah Drew who is on the left. If you see that picture of those two ladies, the woman on the, the lady on the left is Sarah Drew, uh, who's probably now she's like 20 something years old. And then the person on the right is the mother, Lori Drew. And what happened was that Lori, the mother ended up creating a fake account in order to cyber bully Megan, who is on the picture on the far left, as you see that picture there. And for, Allegedly, Sarah uh, was talked about or gossiped about uh, by Megan. And because of that, the mom decided to take revenge and cyber bully Megan. And guess what happened? Megan ended up committing suicide. And that's a famous story that began to spread all over. Now, wh- why, am I, why am I sharing these crazy stories? Because I think every single one of us, as you're watching me, is that you want to be in a relationship that's not fake, but something that's real. I think this is one of the reasons why many of you are guarded. This is also many of the reasons why sometimes you will want to latch on to something, because we we think to ourselves, this is a relationship that can last. But the reality is, until you actually do your homework, you're going to find out that the very person that you thought was whomever he was or she was you'll realize later even especially after getting married that that person was not the right person and that's why I want to just encourage us as we think about this some of us are sitting there probably thinking oh that's so stupid I, I would never get catfished but so you say and I just want to challenge us to be humble because I believe depending on what context you're in what you're going through and maybe what you're seeking for, every single one of us, those who are watching, every single one of us, that we have the potential of being in a fake relationship that will actually end up hurting us and harming us at the end. Uh, just recently, uh, once again, just trying to prepare for this message, there's a documentary in Netflix. It's called The Tinder Swindler. It was on the top 10 most watched in Hong Kong. So I said, I'm doing this relationship seminar, so I'm going to check it out. Some of you might have watched it already, and uh, I don't know what you're doing with your time. You're not preparing a sermon, but you're just enjoying it. But I watched it because I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not going to waste my time watching this, but I'm like, okay, relationship seminar, Tinder, you know, kind of connect. So I said, okay, let me check this out. Now, those of you who watched it, okay, if you're brave enough... Right there on your screen, go ahead and put a little emoji, you know, say, I watched it I on a hands-up or whatever, fire, you put something there. But I want you to think about this story, those of you who have not watched it. I'm going to give you a little bit of a background. The this, this story is about a man who claimed to be a billionaire and ended up developing relationships with women just around the world through Tinder, and then he ended up swindling money from them, which financed his lifestyle the way he lived. And so I thought it was a really interesting story. And please, I want to make sure we're clear on this. I'm not saying Tinder or any of those apps are wrong. I've known people who have found each other through that. So sometimes the technology is not necessarily the problem. The problem is you or that person. You haven't done your homework, and you don't know if it's real or fake, kind of like a Louis Vuitton bag. You're like, oh, it looks real. No, it ain't. It's not real. And so you got to be able to know what the real thing is, and what the fake thing is. So those of you who haven't watched it, uh, if you want to watch it and you don't want to have a spoiler, you can close your ears, turn off the screen, do whatever. But I want to just encourage those of us who might have watched it to, once again, hear this interview that was done by ABC News that actually once became really popular. They interviewed her and asked her some of these deep questions like how did you get it how did you get fooled didn't you know this why did you end up giving all this money and so they're asking her some of these questions and she's going to explain it uh those of us who don't care about spoilers or not you're more than welcome to watch it but I would encourage you you can still watch it because it's like news everywhere and still watch it later all right like can you imagine if you were that woman or maybe it could be the other way around. There's a woman who was swindling guys and you were totally duped. I think not only will her heart be broken as you saw her crying, not only because of a broken heart, because of all the money she lost, you realize that so often we it's easy to jump into a relationship thinking that everything looks great. But what you realize is that you don't really know that person the way you should before you can make a commitment that will be for the lifelong relationship of marriage. I don't think there's a single person who's watching me would want to be in a relationship or end up getting married so that they could be divorced. You talk to anyone who's divorced. Some of you come from divorced homes or maybe homes that are dysfunctional where your parents don't talk to each other. They, they kind of live separately even. If you were to sit down and talk to them, not a single person, not a single person will say, yeah, I started this relationship or I got married so that I can get a divorce later. Not one. But the problem is the reality we see is that there are a lot of divorces. There are a lot of broken hearts. There are a lot of relationships that don't work out. And I'm not trying to say we we could avoid it 100% because we we live in a sin-filled world. And some of you will be in relationships where you will get hurt. Your heart will be broken. It will not meet your expectations. It will not be what you expected. But this is the reason why it is vital that we begin to do the homework as best as we can while we are young as you're in college, so that as you get into the next stage of life, which is single adult, and then hopefully through marriage and having kids and becoming grandparents and all that, down the line, that you'll be able to find that person that you can spend the rest of your life together with through all the ups and downs of life. So the one thing that I'm going to be sharing uh, tonight is just simply this, that we can either flourish in a relationship or be foolish in a relationship. So once again, you can either flourish in a relationship or you could be foolish in a relationship. And it really depends on where you want to see that relation to end up. If you're foolish in many ways, then you just kind of date around and see what you can do and what you can get. And then also be in a relationship where everyone is telling you this is not going to work, this is not good, this person is not good for you. Or you can flourish in a relationship because you have taken the time to not only investigate, but also to really understand and growing within not only your spiritual life, but also your personal life and your character. So we want to talk about all that. Welcome back. Hopefully some of you had some good discussion, especially on this topic. I know that a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about, is going to unearth a lot of things within your hearts, uh, hopefully even in your mindset. And so this is, this is my sincere prayer that all of us will really listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. And Satan's not going to enjoy it So because some of you are in bondage. Whether you are in a relationship that's not healthy, whether some of you are in a relationship that's really underground, or some of us are just struggling with different things and that's why you're struggling. And I, I really do hope and pray that as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that we can respond. Let, let, me, let me just pray at this moment. Lord, I just pray... That you will come in the power of the holy spirit for every single person as we hear the word of god that it will convict us that it is sharper than any double-edged sword piercing into our souls and our bones and marrows and i pray that you'll cut to our hearts and that we desire to obey you and follow you more than anything else i just pray that you'll convict us especially those of us who are in bondage to whether it's relationships or hope for a relationship or whatever it may be, even through our past experiences that have held us back. We're praying, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will do the healing power and the work in us so that we can flourish in our relationship with you and with others, Lord. So we thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So once again, I want to make it very clear. The one thing that I want us to remember in this talk is that we can either flourish in a relationship or be foolish in a relationship. We have a choice. And that's why I think it's very essential that we understand the principle so that we can make that decision. Once again, we will never force you or tell you to do something. We could just read Scripture and command in terms of what God has said. This is the Word of God. But in many ways, the leaders and myself, Pastor Bo, we will never tell you what to do. We'll guide you through the Word of God. And I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you tonight. I want to first talk about three foundational things or three foundational truths that we have to understand in order for us to flourish in a relationship rather than being foolish in a relationship. So the first thing that I want to talk about is that our aim or our goal or our target has to be different. That as Christ followers, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that the aim of all relationship has to be different than from the world. Let me talk a little bit about this. As many of you are followers of Jesus Christ, the reason why we even enter into a relationship and the reason why we would even start one is because it comes down to the end goal, which is what? To love God and to love people. And so, if through this relationship you're not able to love God, and through this relationship you're not really loving people around you, then one thing that I want to challenge you is to ask yourself, why am I in this relationship? The problem with many of us in this watching is that you are in a relationship, a lot of it, because you're self-centered. There is something that you gain and you receive from this. And oftentimes it's all about you and not about the other person. Because some of you know very clearly that whatever you're doing is not very helpful to that person. But because you gain something from it, whether it is the, the thought of a guy liking you, even though you don't like him. And so this flirty attitude or giving him miscues because you want to feel wanted or cherished or that you are a person that is desired, whatever it may be. For some of us who are guys, many times that we enter into these relationships, because not because we're serious, not because we're ready for a relationship or even heading towards marriage. It's because we like the fact that we like this girl and the girl likes us back. A lot of us guys who are physical in nature, all these things that we desire. Now, one thing I will say is this. Throughout this talk, I am not going to address as much as I would like to of the same-sex attraction. But I will say this, and you could answer it maybe during the question and answer if you want to. But one of the things that I've said is that we do not use terminology like I am gay or I am homosexual. No, you are a child of God who happens to struggle with same-sex attraction, because that is not your identity. This is the problem with the world, is that it is their identity. So anything that talks about the struggle, it feels as if you're attacking that person or they're attacking you. You are a child of God. You have been purchased and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And so if you want to break it down to the basic level, whether you will have same-sex attraction or whether you are attracted to the opposite sex, A lot of times it comes down to lust. So whether lust manifests itself in the opposite gender or the same sex, they're both lust. And their Bible talks a lot about lust. And so it's very clear, and I want to make sure we're on the same page, that it is not your identity, that it's a a struggle with a lust issue, and I believe a lot of it is tied in with your mindset. Some of you have gone through a lot of things in your life. And this has fueled in terms of some of your struggle. I know this is not a popular thing. The world tells us that it's something different. But the Bible is very clear on this. So I'll try to address it at different points. But if I don't, you can ask it at the end for a question and answer. We'll try to address it because this is a big topic and a big issue for some of you who are watching this because you are struggling with same-sex attraction. And the Bible talks about that. So the aim must be different. So everything we do, our relationships that we're approaching, is it loving God? Is it helping you to love God? And is it loving that person? Is it honoring that person? Let me give you a verse. The Word of God says this, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. I'm going to read it from the New International Version. On the highlighted yellow, I want you to say it with me. It says this, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will. Now that's important. Let me just pause here. The knowledge of his will. A lot of times when you don't have knowledge of God and knowledge of his will, you end up doing whatever you want to do. You are the master. You are the God. So here we see the knowledge of His will. That's why it is vital that you grow in your relationship with God. If you want your relationships to flourish and stop choosing foolish relationships, then you have to grow in your relationship with God. So the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And verse 10, it says this. And we pray this in order that you may, come on, say this, live a life worthy of the Lord and may, what? Please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So he, there we see it, that you and I as believers of Jesus of Christ or followers of Christ, that everything that we do, it is we live in a manner that is worthy of what, who God is and what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Whether it's your studies, whether it's your friendships, or whether it's relationships, Everything that we do should be to live for him, to honor him, to make sure that we give him praise. That's why later on it says what? It says do everything what? To please him in every way. That means in everything that we do, pleases him. Can I just challenge some of you who are in a relationship or an undefined relationship? You guys are spending a lot of time together. Is it pleasing God? Is it honoring God? The second thing that I want us to see here is not only our aim must be different, but our our attitude must be different. Our attitude towards relationship has to be different. Now, the problem with many of us is that our view of relationship has been shaped by the things of this world. Let's just confess this. That's why many of you... uh, Can you go ahead in the chat, just put in there an emoji or write something? How many of you love Disney movies? Come on now, come on, someone give me an amen, right? If you think about all the Disney movies, are there any Disney movie where at the end you feel like you just want to die? You're like, oh my God, that's so sad. There is not a single Disney movie that ends on a bad note. It's living happily ever after. So this has been your mindset. And if you watch that Netflix show, you'll realize one of them got into this relationship because it has been shaped by Disney. She knew all the songs. She knew all the lyrics. She knew all the different phrases from Beauty and the Beast. Belle, do you like it here? You know, all these things. So once again, your view of relationship is based on Disney, which is happy, happy, happy at the end. Like we live forever together. But many of you know that's not the reality at times because marriage is not about how happy you are, but it's about how holy and more like Jesus you are becoming. Now, some of you are sadistic and you like weird stuff and really sad. That's why you watch Korean dramas, right? Korean dramas know how to tug at your heart and make you be like, oh, it's like a a dagger in your heart. I mean, it gets to me sometimes when I watch these things. I, like, tears are like, slowly. It's not like, rah, but it's like that one teardrop that's really rolling down. Why? Because that guy sacrificed his life or that girl just gave all of herself to just for a cause or something like that. And you're like, and we watch these things and this shapes our understanding of relationships. Now, can I just break some of your bubbles? Listen, ladies, Some of you want to go to korea some of you love korean food some of you love k-pop some of you are thinking about moving to korea so you could find that guy that you see in cha 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 and then go there and be able to say oh what a nice guy i'm going to tell you right now there aren't too many guys like that korean guys all right I'm, i'm gonna break your bubble but i'm just telling you right now because what you are seeing in a drama Oftentimes, it's a drama. It is not real life. It's not based on a true story. So let's just confess and say a lot of our views of relationship has been shaped by the things of this world. Not by scripture, by the things of this world. How do I know this? Look at your life. Look at the way you approach relationship. Look at your attitude towards relationship. It's just like the world. They have done statistics, and the divorce rate in the church is no different from the divorce rate in the world. But that shouldn't be. We're called to be different, to please God, to live for Him in every way possible. But we see that in the church, it's the same level of divorce rate that is in the world. So our, our attitude towards a relationship has to be different. Now, can I just pause here and mention, and those of you who might not know my wife, Christina, Her family was very tumultuous. Uh, What I mean by that is that her father uh, was very abusive verbally as well as physically. And she just grew up in a very kind of like a violent home in some sense. The father sometimes will take out his stress. He'll get drunk, take out his stress on his mom, even on her brothers. And because of that, she was just kind of growing up in this environment. And she asked herself, like, why do I even want to get married if I see this and this is what it's going to turn out to be? So her whole worldview is that marriage is not good. That's why she wanted to just adopt all these children and have all these children and just not get married. And the thing is that that shaped even in terms of how she related to guys and even the way she related to me in the early stages of our dating relationship. And that's why I think it's important to really understand our attitude towards relationship and marriage and of the opposite sex oftentimes is shaped by what you have gone through. Some of you right now, you grew up with a father who might have been like a tyrant, somebody who is the passive even, some of them who might just not care. So then all of a sudden you see your mom struggling, so you're like, you know what, guys are all evil, guys really suck and all this stuff. And so that's your view. And that's why even when you try to get into a relationship, you have this issue you haven't dealt with. And so that carries over into this relationship with any guys. And no wonder no one is attracted to you because you're just like, you know, every guy is like, so guys are like, whoa, they're scared of you. Some of you are in the other extreme. You overcompensate you. So you try to be extra nice and try to do all these things. And that's why you keep on being taken advantage of. And you're like, why is everyone taking advantage of me? Well, it's very obvious because there, is issues, there are issues in your life that you have not addressed. So it's a learned behavior. And you keep on doing what you're doing because you decided, this is the best way I can cope with things. So there, once again, guys take advantage of you. Other girls take advantage of you. And so you're wondering to yourself what's going on. Your attitude And your perspective about relationship is shaped by what you have gone through, especially what you see in your parents. And I want to put a hard pause here and just have you like catch up in your mind and think about this for a moment. There is a really high probability that you are going to repeat what you see in your relationship, in, in, in your parents' relationship. You don't believe me? Just contact me 20 years later. If some of you have seen a relationship where the mother is like a tiger mom and she's dominating over your dad and she's like verbally saying all these negative things, you're so no good for whatever and all that stuff, then you're going to do that to your future spouse unless you're transformed by the gospel message. If you, a guy, You grew up with a father who is distant or maybe didn't show unconditional love and very demanding. Those are the things that are going to manifest in that marriage relationship and with your children. So apart from the grace of God, apart from understanding the gospel, you are going to repeat a lot of things that right now that you don't like about your parents, you're going to repeat it. This is why our attitude about relationships and even dating and marriage has to be shaped by the Bible. And for some of us, because we have this romanticized view of relationships, we don't even know what are some values and what's important. There are some of you, I was looking at some of the results, some of you are in relationships and you're in a relationship with a pre-Christian the Bible is very clear on that, that you, sh- you cannot be in a relationship with a pre-Christian. But some of you are like, I don't care. I like him. He's nice. Or she's really pretty. And she's really, like, g- g- compassionate. So I like these things. So I'm going to be the missionary and make him a Christian. Make her a Christian. Are you kidding me? They'll probably make you turn away from God more than anything else. We don't believe in missionary dating. Huh. Some of you are like, I've gone on a mission. Mission dating. Come on now. Look what it says in the word, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. I'm gonna read it from the Message Translation. It says, Don't become partners with those who reject God. How can you make partnership out of right and wrong? That's not partnership, that's war. Is light best friends with dark? You, You cannot have Two people with two different masters. One is you following Christ, and the other is following themselves or the things of this world. You cannot have two masters and be brought together under the lordship of Christ. It doesn't work. Some of you right now you don't understand this, but as you start getting older, you're going to realize what am I doing in this relationship? It's not going to work. Some of you are just hoping and praying that that person will become a Christian. What if they don't? You've wasted all these years when you could have been growing, you could have been serving God, you could have been doing all these things. That's why I think many of us, our attitude towards relationship are not biblically based because there's no one in your life to speak the truth to you. But I'm here, and I'm going to speak the truth to you in love. And some of you are struggling, and I want to help you. We want to help you. The leaders and I, we want to help you so that you could have a flourishing relationship, not a foolish one. Here's the third and last thing that we have to understand. Not only our aim and our attitude must be different, but our approach must be different. Our approach must be different. If you look at how pre-Christians do relationship, we realize that <laughs> there's no difference in how we do it. Also, if you study the Bible, you realize that the way the world does it, and the pre-Christian does it, it's different from what the Bible teaches, from the way God wants it. So once again, some of the stuff I'm going to say is just wisdom from many, many years of counseling and many, many years of experience. Other things that I'm going to give you Bible verses are just commands from God. So I pray that you'll be able to hear the voice of the Lord as he speaks to you on the approach. One of the things that the church Change in terms of relating to one another was a standard in which we treated one another let me explain what i mean before christ came into this world if you think about everything that was going on during history during that ancient times the jewish people hated the gentiles the gentiles hated the jewish people but when jesus christ came into this world he literally changed how relationships are done that's why when he came he talked about loving your enemies Like, there there was not a single person who had a right frame of mind would want to love your enemies. But Jesus came and he completely flipped that around. He also talked about, in John chapter 13, as he washed his disciples' feet, he goes, I, your master, your teacher, have washed your feet. Now do that to others. Because in the Jewish culture, it's like, I've done this for you, now you do that to me. But he's like, I've done this for you, now do this to other people. So the relationship that in many ways that the kingdom of God entailed is that we do relationships completely different than the world does it. Our approach is different. Let me give you some verses in the New Testament that talks about how our approach to relationship should be different and how the gospel and Jesus Christ radically changes how we do relationships. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read it from the uh, New International Version. Just read the yellow section out loud with me as you're watching together with other people or in a smaller room or by yourself. It says this, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with what come on with absolute purity so what paul is trying to say is that because of jesus christ the way we relate to people who are older younger who are our our peers we treat them as the family of god and it's as an absolute purity i don't know how many of you guys have brothers or sisters and i don't know if you are the oldest one and you're a little bit protective If you knew that someone was treating your brother or sister that you love very much in a way that's dishonoring to them, how would you respond? I don't know about you, but when those things happen, I'm just like getting all worked up. And so when you look at this, you realize that to treat people who are in relationship with you, you treat them like family. That's what the church is about. And when you're in a family, you don't try to hurt people willingly and consciously. You don't flirt with guys so that you can kind of lead them on and have their hearts broken. That's not absolute purity. You don't play around with girls and then you're you like this girl, but you're also interested in this girl and this other girl, and so then what happens? You end up hurting them. You don't do that in a family. Not when you love them. You don't use them. You don't abuse them for your own selfish purposes, to gratify your sinful desires. Here's another verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 4 to 7 in the NIV again. It says this, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is what? Come on, say this, holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that is, in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of our brother or sister. Let me read it again. No one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but what? To live a holy life. How many times in these relationships that some of you guys are in, or some of these unspoken underground relationships, or these really fuzzy, no one really knows, because you spend a lot of time studying together. You spend a lot of time hanging out together. You even touch each other playfully. (laughs) And then we're like, well, what's going on here? Do they like each other or do they not? But pastor, I'm a touchy-feely. Don't touch me, but if you're a touchy-feely, go get a dog, go get a teddy bear. Because for some girls or some guys, by you touching them, it might stir up a lot of different memories. Some of them have been abused sexually. And by you touching them, it might not create a good, safe environment for them. So sometimes many of us, we tend to, because we're always thinking about ourselves, we take advantage of people. That's why I hate agio. You guys know, like, oh, come on. Do you know why? Because you are, if guys do it, I don't don't know what to say about you. We'll just pray for you. But you sisters, when you do that kind of stuff, pretty much what you're saying, I want something and I'm not getting it, so please give it to me. It's all about you. That's selfish, self-centered. Because what you're asking that person, that brother, it might not be helpful for them. So once again, you take advantage of people. You use them for your own selfish purposes. And the Bible is clear. It says don't do that. Because God is going to punish those who do, because what you're doing is you're saying, God forget you. The way you establish relationships, forget you. I want to do whatever I want to do. It's a person who's disobedient, even to the point of maybe they're not even saved. Here's another one, last one, Song of Solomon. This is a good one. I love this one. You you want want to read an X-rated version in the Bible? Song of Solomon, otherwise known as Song of Songs, whatever you like. Check this out. Chapter 2, verse 7b in the message. You got to read it in the message. Come on now. Come on, Jesus. This is what it says. Don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe and you're ready. Huh. Come on, Jesus. Preach. This is preachable right here. It says, don't excite love. Don't stir it up. But that's what you're doing. You're not ready for a relationship. Look at your life. You have no direction in life. You have no goals. You don't know what you're doing. You're not even making any money. You're still still lingering from that other relationship. This is a rebound. So you're playing around with all these girls. Or you got hurt before, and now you want to feel better about yourself because you're so insecure. So now you like the fact that these guys like you. So you kind of play along and, and take advantage of them in that way. So let's have dinner. Oh, I'm just getting to know my life group Members, pastor, Uh uh-huh. I will only believe you if you take all the girls in your life group to dinner. I promise I will not say any words that are inflammatory or get you. Do not excite people towards anger here. But that's a cow. Cow dung. Oh, I'm just trying to help them because you know uh, they're new to Hong Kong, so I want to just make sure that they're doing okay. I will only believe you if you do that to every single person who's new to Hong Kong in your life group. But pastor, like I know it's late; it's like two thirty in the morning, and I'm texting her. But you, you got to understand, like this, it's a texting ministry. The texting ministry. I will only believe you if you're texting every single sister in your life group to encourage them because what you're doing is you're not showing favoritism, and you're doing it out of the genuineness of your heart because you care, but a lot of times we do these things because we're zeroing in on somebody because we're interested in them. That's part of the defrauding and taking advantage of. Same with you sisters. If it is that one person all the time and not any of the other brothers, then that shows you already in your heart. Now, please don't misunderstand. If you like each other, that there's steps that I'm going to talk about later. But if you have no interest or you're not even ready for them, why do you excite it? Why do you stir it up when it's unnecessary? Oh, do you like Netflix? I like it too. Do you want to watch a Korean drama together? So here you are. And we're not trying to say that you cannot interact with sisters. Please don't misunderstand me. But I'm simply saying, as we look at Scripture, to be in absolute purity and to not to take advantage of a brother or a sister and not to stir up and to do things, then you got to check your heart and say, why am I doing some of these things? Because by spending that much time, by talking and texting that much, you are stirring So you're doing something that you cannot deliver on. You're stirring that girl's emotions. You're stirring that guy's feelings about certain things. But you're not even ready for a relationship. You're not ready to head towards marriage because you're only a freshman. You don't know what is going on. Just get used to school. And so once again, you're doing something that I just don't think it honors and helps you to love God and love people. Let me give you the biblical definition or the biblical, uh, not, let, me, let me rephrase it. The, the biblical dating definition of when we look at, there's no Bible that says in the SKV, right? That doesn't say thou shall do relationships this way. But we're taking all these different verses about relationships And if you look at stories like Ruth and Naomi and Boaz, if you look at Rachel and, you know, Jacob and Isaac and what was her name? I'm drawing a blank here. Rebecca, you know, all all these relationships that you see in Scripture, you realize the principles are there. So here is a biblical dating definition so that we can now understand what is our approach. Let me give it to you. It's simply this. It is a purposeful process. For a single man and a single woman to get to know one another with the knowledge of their families and or church community in order to make a commitment to one another with marriage being the end goal. Let me read it again. It is simply the purposeful process of a single man and a single woman to get to know one another with the knowledge of their families and or church community in order to make a commitment to one another with marriage being the end goal. We took out a little survey. We did that little thing in the beginning. It's like, do you want it? You're going to tell your parents before and after. Those of you about 80, I think it was 87%, I'll tell them after. Go repent. Because the biblical dating definition, it says that with the knowledge of not only your parents, but with the church community. Now, there's a caveat to this. Some of you have parents who are not believers. So in some sense, it might be hard for them to really understand from a biblical perspective. But I will say because they're older and they have experience that sometimes common wisdom, even though you're not a believer, it also applies. So there is some purpose of why it is important that you involve other people in this relationship. Till this day, I haven't seen too many relationships that are hidden underground that really flourishes. Because once again, there are a lot of things that you don't see, but other people can and will see. That's why some of you who are just trying to keep everything to yourself and not tell anyone else, you are being a foolish because you are blinded by your own lust or your own desire for something that literally you pursue after it, and then you realize later it's not delivered. This is why you should always have people who love you, who care for you, who want the best for you, who could speak into your life. The further you go away from that, the more you're going to be going in a direction that will harm you later on. That's why it's always good to be in community. It's always good to be around people who care for you and love you. And some of you have parents who are believers and they love you and they care for you. I think that's something as a, as, as a privilege, it's an honor to have parents like that. I'm not saying that they're perfect or everything they say is 100%. But for them to try to seek after God as you're seeking after God and you share it with them and invite them in the process is a very powerful thing. So let me break down this definition of dating in the Christian context into the parts that we see here. There are three different parts of this definition. The first part is a purpose. Everyone say purpose. Come on, purpose. There is a clear reason why you are getting into this relationship because the end goal is towards marriage. It doesn't mean that you're going to know for 100% sure if they're the one or not. But your intent, your motivation is, I'm going to be in a relationship, not to goof around, not to play around, but I want it to somehow end towards marriage. So once again, when you start dating, there's a purpose that it's not just to kind of hang out with someone and have somebody there with you. But it's really you're dating them because with the marriage as the end goal in mind. I think for many of us, as I've shared before, we don't have this purpose. We're very self-centered. We just like to have fun. We like the fact that there's somebody who likes us. And some of you ladies are evil. And please don't make it, don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Your motives are bad. Some of you would hang out with guys because you know you'll get a free meal and a free bag and free gifts. You're self-centered. You're playing along with this guy's heart, but you don't have no intentions. But you like the fact that you get free stuff. You're a master manipulator, and that doesn't honor God. It doesn't please God. If you don't have interest in this person, don't awaken or stir up his emotions towards you. You got to be clear and let him know, I'm not interested. So there's a purpose in dating from a Christian context. The end goal is towards marriage. The second thing is this, you will notice, there's a process. It's so easy to get caught up in trying to find the right person rather than being the right person. See, see we're, that's why some of us struggle because we're trying to, where is he or where is she? When in fact, what you should be focusing on is being the right person. Focus on growing. Focus on some of those character issues that everyone has been telling you, it sucks. You need to grow. Focus in on some of those things, and as you begin to address it, you realize that there will be people who will be interested in you because they see something that's different from some of these other guys or these other girls. I think something else that we have to use and understand in this process is biblical dating is really this process of trying to get to know the other person to really begin to discover who they are. That's why I think one of the things that I've been sharing a lot is, and I'll share a little bit later as one of the principles, is that something about being in a group context that you really begin to know who that person is. I'm going to tell you right now, there is not a single guy who will go on a date one-on-one with you and put his worst foot forward. He's burping and yelling and doing all this stuff, lazy. He's on his phone playing a video game while you're right there. He's going to be on his best behavior because he wants to impress you. Ladies, same way. So how are you gonna really get to know them, who they are? Watch them in life group. When everyone is in a room, are they off in the corner playing their video games and just doing whatever, checking their phones? That shows you they don't really love people. But when they're with you, they're like, oh, he's so loving, no kidding, what is he gonna do? Love the steak, I don't know, love the fork or the spoon? No, he is going to give all 100% attention on you and you think he's loving. But the best test is when he's in life group. When there's newcomers, does he go up to them? Does he talk with them? Or is he always hanging around with the same people? That'll give you a glimpse of who he is. Some of you brothers, you, you, you see this sister and you're like, oh, she has such a beautiful heart because she, she serves but then when it's life group and we're having a Thanksgiving dinner, I don't know, or some kind of outreach and we're cooking and stuff, is she just kind of like just doing her thing and let everyone else clean up and let everyone else cook and do all the stuff? Not to say women are supposed to do that. Guys should be doing that too. But do you see what I'm saying? She will do things to impress you when it's one-on-one, but when it's in a community, that's when you really know who they are. This is the reason why I keep on encouraging some of you to be more watchful in a group setting because you really get to know who they are. Can you imagine a guy? I share this illustration quite often, but I was just thinking, can you imagine a guy who hates children because it gets on their nerves and, you know, it's just like too bothersome, but then they know you like children. What do you think he's going to do? Oh, Noah, how are you, Noah? And Noah's like, you know, because kids know. So once again, when you invite the community and invite people who know you and who love you, then that's when you're going to begin to really see things that you don't see. We all have blind spots. But people who love you, care for you, your mentors, your disciples, uh, just uh, your family members, people who know you well enough, they're the ones who will speak truth into your life because they don't want the worst for you. They don't want you to get a divorce or be in a bad relationship where your heart will be broken. So once again, this process is important because if you don't go through this process of trying to, timing-wise, getting other people involved, which I'll talk about later, then what happens is that you are fueling infatuation. It's not love, it's infatuation. The third thing that you notice in that definition is not only the purpose, the process, but the third thing, as I mentioned already, is the partnership. Is that you are involving The church community as part of this process and the purpose. So, I'm going to stop here. So, the question you have to ask yourself is Do I want to flourish in a relationship or do I want to be foolish in a relationship? In order for us not to be foolish in a relationship, but to flourish in a relationship, there are seven quick principles I want to give to you. And everyone say, Catfish, come on now, Catfish no one wants to be catfish i pray that you won't be catfish and be fooled and be in a fake relationship instead of a real one and so i'm going to use the acronym catfish to think about these seven principles for us to then follow through the first one is this the c is character development the question you have to ask yourself is are you or are they growing and becoming more like jesus christ because that's what it's really about. The more you become like Jesus, the more you become a servant, the more loving, the more forgiving, the more patient, the more faithful, the more gentle, all the fruits of the Spirit. And right now, some of you are still very young. That's why you're not ready for a relationship. You need to focus on your relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to grow in your, awareness, uh, in your character. Think about this, awareness. Some of you are horrible at awareness your awareness quotient is very low. Some of you, your emotional intelligence is very low. You don't even know how to articulate what you're feeling. You're like, habada, habada, Or you're just like going in and just like, you know what, I don't want to talk about it. Do you know how damaging that will be in a relationship? If you're not aware of what's happening to your spouse, you're not aware of what's happening to your children, that is going to be so damaging. Some of us don't even know how to articulate what we're feeling. So when you're in a relationship and they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And you don't know how to explain yourself, then it's going to bring more frustration and build up more walls. And that's what leads to a lot of conflicts in marriage and in relationships. That's why when I look at some of us, you're not ready. It's so clear and so obvious. You're clueless. You're unaware. You're very low in your emotional intelligence. Everything about your character, as you look at Galatians chapter 5, you even just look look at some of the fruits of the Spirit. You don't possess those things. And by you being into a relationship, then you are starting off, and you're going to probably hurt that other person a lot. Now, the question now becomes, then, when am I ready? And will I ever be ready? No, because that's something that we all develop it. But there has to be some upward trajectory as you start maturing. So your mentors, other people will say, wow, this person, you've been growing. I knew you since freshman year. And now when I look at you, when you're a junior, or senior, when, however old you may be, they might be like, I've seen you grown in these, uh, grow in these areas. So that's a good sign. So character development is such a vital part. Listen to what Neil Clark Warren said um, in, in his book, Finding the Love of Your Life. He writes this, personality or behavioral problems will not vanish when you get married. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen. If there are qualities about the person's personality or behavior that you question, such as jealousy, temper, irresponsibility, dishonesty, or stubbornness, ask yourself if you are willing to spend the rest of your life, underline that, the rest of your life dealing with these problems. Obviously, if the person you are considering has a drug or drinking problem or trouble with sexual integrity, you should take make absolutely sure that he or she has worked through the problems well in advance of your marriage. So once again behavioral, these different issues in a person's life, it's not going to magically go away. Those of you who are in a relationship, I want to challenge you to think for a moment. What do you fight about? What always brings, like, conflict in your relationship? I bet you it's a consistent pattern. That person removes themselves and just kind of goes silent and AWOL. They're going to do that when they get married. Unless they change by the grace of God. If they're under the law and they're very like driven by like doing things, guess what they're going to do to your kids? Think about your future kids. So this is where I don't think we think straight because it's all about what we feel and, oh, he's so cute or she's so lovely. I don't know, whatever you want to, you know, use. But we don't think through that that person's character means a lot. It's going to affect every single area of your life. And if they're stubborn, they're rebellious, that's what's going to happen when they get married. That's why I always say you could tell when someone has been discipled and those who haven't. Because those who have been discipled, they're they, they willing to submit, they're willing to listen, they're willing to learn, they're willing to confess. Those are good traits. If you want to see a future spouse... That's why I've been telling some of you get discipled. Some of you are like wild stallions just running off in the wild, and you're just doing all whatever you want to do. But that's why you gotta grow in your character. We can either be foolish in our relationship or we can flourish. The C is character development. The A is alignment of values. Questions you need to ask yourself is do they value similar things in life? And why is it important, pastor, that our values have to be the same? Well, listen to me. This is important. The reason why your values must be aligned is because it's out of our values we make decisions. It is is out of our values where we go in terms of direction. So if your value is we want to make a lot of money, we don't care about people how we get it, but we want to make a lot of money that that person might make decisions along with you in something that might be illegal. It might be something that's not good because that's their value. It's about money and success. Values determine your decisions. So if you're not aligning and say, wait, what is it that they value? Once again, don't listen to what they say, but believe what they do because anyone could talk a talk. Anyone. And there are a lot of good talkers because they grew up in the church. But don't believe what they say. Believe what they do. Let me give you an example. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some hard stuff here. News have come out that a lot of the schools here in Hong Kong is going to give you a full refund of your housing because they want you to go home and do online classes. Yes, I get to go home. I get to chill out at home, be around family. They cook for me. I am become king and queen again. And I have helpers doing all this stuff. It sounds like the this, is, this is the life. They're going to actually give you a full refund. Think about that. All the times you've been sleeping in your dorm room, it's free now. So I want you to think about this for a second. What do they value? If that person values community, being a part of a church, even though we can't meet face-to-face, at least in the near, uh, the near future, we can still meet one-on-one, still do LCG. Yes, we could meet them in over Zoom, Pastor. Come on. I understand that. But don't forget, this coming summer, we're going to have a probably a missions project, and we're not going to Zoom you in. We're not going to have a Zoom mission. It's not the for Zoom, for room mission. So if you want to do missions this summer because you value this, because it's on the heart of God, then you're not going to go home. Now, please, don't be like, oh, mom, dad, pastor says don't go home. Then your parents are going to call me. I'm going to get emails. I'm going to get all this stuff, and already I'm going to be labeled as a cult leader. So, please, don't do that. What I'm telling you and challenging you is ask yourself, what do I value? Because from your values will come decisions. And if the values are based on the kingdom of God, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When you believe that, yes, you could go home and see your parents. Some of you haven't seen your parents for like two, two, two years. So I understand it's not easy. I haven't seen my parents for two years. But as you're really thinking about what is it I value, I realize, oh, if I want to do missions, then I, I gotta stay here. I gotta get involved in the community. Or think about your life group or your campus. You know that while you can go home, there's gonna be some people on campus who don't know Jesus Christ, and they're gonna be there, lonely, struggling. So if you value lost people, you value the gospel. You value the mission of God. You value all this stuff. Then you're going to have to pause and say, well, wait a minute. I could go home, be relaxed, be with family, enjoy life, and just do online classes and be lazy and gain like five kilos. Or I could be here because I value the things of God and the things that are happening here. Please don't misunderstand me because going home, some of you will go home, and that's okay. We're not going to judge you. Because some of you, God might convict you to go home. Some of you might have family members who are sick and you you haven't seen them. So please don't feel guilty if if you feel convicted to go home. But I'm simply saying those of you who don't even think, you haven't even prayed. So your decisions reveal your values. So that's why there needs to be an alignment of values. Because if you want to do something, let's say you get married and you want to you wanna give to uh, this orphanage, but your husband is kind of selfish and self-centered, and he goes, no, I don't want you to give to them. Do you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a fight. But if your values are aligned, and you're saying, yeah, this is not our money, it's God's, he has blessed us with it, and we, God loves the orphans. He loves people who are struggling. And so we want to pray and say, how much do you want us to give, Lord? And then you get a number. Can you imagine? Your life will flourish. Your marriage will flourish. Your children will flourish. So some of us don't even think about this as we're in a relationship. And I'm telling you, you get to find these things out when you're in a life group and you watch them in a group setting. How are they making decisions? What if they're playing video games the whole week and their life group is on Tuesday or Wednesday and they go, you know what? I can't come to life group. It's not because... They don't have enough time. They did have a, they just wasted time. They don't have a purpose in life. They don't value life group. They don't value community. They value themselves. And you, can you imagine you marry someone like that? That when it comes to family or other issues that might come up, they're going to put their work above you. So once again, you could feel all this uh, butterflies in your stomach, but you're not watching and see if our values are aligned, because out of our values will come forth decisions. So once again, the C is character development, the A is alignment of values, the T is trust currency. The questions you need to ask yourself, are they reliable? Are they dependable? Are they honest? Are they true to their word? Everything that they say, do they follow through on it? Why is this important? Because trust is the foundations of all good relationships, period. Period. All the great relationships, whether it's your relationship with your parents, relationship with friends, relationship with your future spouse, relationship with your leaders, relationship with whoever it is in your life. Trust is the foundation. So if they are not trustworthy, you should raise a yellow flag and say, wait a minute. Do I want to be in this relationship or should I pursue after this person? If They say they're going to do something, but they don't do it. So what they're gonna say is, "Okay, honey, I'm gonna be home at by seven. Trust me. And they're gonna be there till nine, and your kids are waiting. I'm giving you practical things of things that I had to counsel people through and things that I've gone through in my life. That's why one of the best times to grow in these areas of character and trustworthiness is right now in college. This is the reason why some of you are not being considered for leadership because how can we trust you when you cannot even be true to your word? I'll be there at one. You're not even there. Simple things that you could work on that will help you to develop these character things, these alignment of values, and even the trustworthiness. You can either be foolish in relationships or you can flourish. The F Now we're getting into the fish. Here we go. Friends influence. You need to look at who they are hanging out with and see who is influencing them. As we say many times, we become like the people that we hang out with. We are the average of five people that we hang out with. If you're the smartest, find a new group. You are the average of the five people you hang out with. You become more like that person. So think about it. If the people you hang around with love to exercise and keep healthy, you'll most likely be healthy and exercise. If the people you hang out with is lazy, they just play video games and waste time, then that's what's going to happen to you. That's why I always tell people, look at their friends. That will give you a window and a glimpse of who they are. Are they with people who are very focused on the mission of God? Are they people who are diligent and do things with excellence in everything that they do because they want to please God in, in their in their witness of God? So you got to look at the friend's influence in that person's life. That's why some, some I forgot that one of the other questions was about, you know, uh, I forgot what it was. Anyway, I forget. It just popped in my mind and then it slipped out. But think about this. It was something like, would you rather have them all hate you? Or something like that. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about, that question about your friends and they all hate you or they hate them or whatever. I was thinking, hey, if all your friends hate him, that's not a good sign. But I love him. It's not a good sign. If you were my daughter, I will tell you it's not a good sign. That's why I knew Christina, she was who she was because all her friends and who were my friends because they were like the same age or a year younger, all of them said, spoke highly of her. These were her close friends who knew her. So she was no joke. I wasn't catfish. She's the real deal. So, what are their friends saying? Who are their friends? If all of their friends don't really want to love God and they're they're not serving, that person probably won't. That means that as they get older, they're not going to want to get involved in church, even though you might want to. Something to think about. The I is investigate wisely. The reason why we should have a strong community to be involved in our relationship it's as I mentioned before, it is for your protection. It is to help you. When I say investigate wisely, that means that when you are interested in somebody, that you are in this process of trying to figure out, do I wanna spend my rest of my life with this person as I'm getting to know them in a group setting and we're hanging out as friends? It is your responsibility to investigate, to really see who this person is. And as I mentioned earlier, You cannot do this by yourself. That's why it's the irony. It's like you cannot try to figure out who this person is all by yourself. Or you go watch that Tinder swindler and then get convinced. You got to have people who can also look and to be able to give you some input. Hey, this person seems really inconsistent. Or this person says this and doesn't do this. Or like why is he treating you that way? Why is she doing that? That's when you begin to say, wait a minute, yeah, why is that happening? Let me give you some reasons why it's important to come together in community to help you to find the person that you will spend the rest of your life with. First of all, there's better accountability. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says this, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Accountability helps you. Some of you are in relationships that are not healthy by being in community and doing LCG or people who are mentoring you, they can ask you a hard question. Like, are you spending a lot of time with this person? Are you not spending time with other people in life group that we need to minister to? So these are the kind of accountability things that has to happen. Another one is this better assessment because you get to see them more clearly Because they're not emotionally involved. People who are part of community or those people who love you, they're not emotionally involved in that guy's life or girl's life. So they're able to give you an objective perspective. Also, I talked about how they see things that you might not see. Lastly, there's better authenticity. Sometimes when people are in relationships, they act really weird. Can I get a good amen? You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) You're like, well, that's weird. Or they act really good. You could you could totally tell when they like each other, right? They try to be really cool about it, they're like, <laughs> but you could tell. And so one of the things I think is really important is that when you're in group setting, then once again, it's important that you see who they are and people can see it. That's why authenticity is important. All throughout the Bible, we see this constant reference to seeking counsel. Let me give you some of these verses. Proverbs 15, 22, the message that refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. Proverbs 20, verse 18 says this, form your purpose by asking for counsel, then carry it out using all the help you can get. Proverbs 19, verse 8, it says this, he who gets wisdom loves his own soul, but he who cherishes understanding prospers. You know, it's kind of interesting because a lot of times we don't care about input from other people, and so we end up just approaching this relationship. Now, please, I, I hope you guys know that it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on any of you. These, this is just from years of experience. So I'm just sharing examples. And if something that you can relate to, that maybe it's God who's speaking to you. I know some people who might like each other, but they try not to say things, but they're spending a lot of time. Then finally, the guy decides to say, I like you. But they're not ready for a relationship. So sometimes they end up talking to me and saying, Pastor, I, I told this girl I like her and she likes me too, so what should we do? Go get married. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I said, well, well I mean, what, what do you want me to say? The cat is out of the bag now. So no longer are you going gonna, gonna to act you know, in a way that's, I don't, now you know that every time he contacts you or doesn't contact you, you're going to get hurt more because now you know his intention or his feelings. And that guy knows your feelings. And a lot of times in those situations, it's tough. And that's why I always tell people, do not tell that person and learn to have self-control and not to try to be in that kind of relationship that's shady. But it takes so much self-control and so much desire to honor that person, not to do that. So some people are like, okay, okay, I, I made a mistake, so maybe I'll back off. Well, you already told that person. So then sometimes I advise them, why don't you just take some time off and just not start anything and limit your content? They're like, well, how long? I don't know. L- let God tell you. Is one week okay? Okay, if you think after one week, you could start this relationship and it's gonna help you in your walk with God and everything else, then you go for it. But sometimes you're only a freshman. What do you know besides your last semester grades? What 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 else do you know right now? You don't know much. You don't know what you're going to be doing. And think about this. Everyone, just for a moment, I mean, don't, you don't have to close your eyes, but I'm going to close my eyes. Okay? I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine. I'm thinking. Those of us who are juniors and seniors, I want you to think about your freshman year. Those of you who are freshmen, think about seventh grade. I don't know what form that is, form whatever. Just, just think about when you were 13 years old. My question to you is this. When you look back to three, four years ago and who you were and who you are now, was it different or is it different? The reason why I want you to think about this is that if you're a freshman and you're getting into a relationship, the reality is you're gonna change. That person is gonna change. And they might actually change for the worse. And so you get into a relationship when you're not ready and they haven't really developed in their relationship with God or their vision and the things that God is calling them to do. And then you get into this relationship and then three years later you realize, oh my God, we're completely in different directions. This person might not be it. You spend three years. And, and let, me, let me be truthful here. I've always been truthful here, but let me, let me put this truth harder on you. Listen, this, this is from my heart to you as a pastor. Listen. I've seen many people over the years—20, 20, 27 years, 28 years of doing this. Freshmen, first-year students getting into relationship. It's exclusive. They come out to their separate life groups, but they don't really get involved because they want to spend more time together. So they don't go to the hangouts. They don't do. They're not really fully in. They come to church. They go to life group here and there. They miss it here. They miss it there. They just kind of do whatever, just, just enough. They've developed their relationship, and then three years later, they're junior, about to be seniors, and guess what happens? They break up. Do you know what I've seen? Those are the loneliest people in our church. Because while everyone else is building friendships, their freshman year, sophomore year, third year, they have all these strong friendships. Because you spent all your time with that person that you thought you were going to marry, but you're not because you've changed. They've changed. You're changing. You're in the process of change because you pull that trigger, because you got into that relationship. And guess what happens? Because you both changed. everyone else has built strong relationships and friendships. Here you are as a junior or senior, and you don't have any friends because all your time was spent with that person. And then you wonder, like, why isn't anybody loving me? Because you haven't made their investment. And this is why some of you don't have good friendships. That's another thing I tell people to watch out for. If that guy doesn't have too many guy friends, something's wrong. If that girl doesn't have too many girlfriends, something's wrong. It's not about numbers, but it's about the quality of relationships. Because if girls don't have friendship with other girls, that means all these other girls don't like her. That means there's a character issue about that girl. Mean girls. If that guy doesn't have too many guy friends, that means there's there's something about the guys that they don't like about him. That should be a yellow flag if they have no friends in the context of our church or even outside of our church, just friends, because that means something is wrong with that person. There's a character flaw. That's why no one wants to be around them. So don't be so enamored because he's spending all this time or she's spending all this time with you because reality is something's not right. And I'm sharing this from my heart because I don't want you to be in a relationship where you look at it and go, man, I was being foolish when I could have been flourishing. Number six, spiritual compatibility. I think I already talked about this. Are you both growing and on the same spiritual level? Some of you are dating pre-Christians, and I already talked about what the Bible says. So some of you need to pray and say, am I willing to surrender this relationship because If you're in this relationship and then he comes to Christ, how do you know he didn't come to Christ because he wants just to be in a relationship with you? Wouldn't it make more sense for him to come to Christ because he loves Christ, he understands the gospel, he realizes he's a sinner and not because of you? Because in a relationship, one of you has to lead. And the Bible talks about the head of the household. And I know some of you guys have bad experiences with your fathers, like, I don't want men to lead me. But when you look at Christ, the head, he leads the home. He leads the church in the same way as you look at Book of Ephesians, it talks about that. And I'm not promoting chauvinism or misogyny or any of this kind of stuff, but someone has to lead. You cannot have a two-headed monster leading. Someone has to lead. So if that brother cannot lead you spiritually, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to grow, ladies. That's why you got to find a, a brother who loves God, who can lead you spiritually, Spiritual compatibility is important. Lastly, health check. What I mean by that is, are they emotionally healthy? Are they mentally healthy? Are they personally healthy? Are they even relationally healthy with their parents? That's one of the first things that I would tell people. Look at their relationship with their family, with their parents, their siblings. Because how they are relating to them is how they're going to treat you. This is just from experience, from what I'm seeing all over. So if they're not relationally healthy with their family, that means something is not right. I know many of you are struggling with mental health. And you get into a relationship, it's not going to necessarily help you. So some of you have to renew your minds and strengthen your minds and to really focus and to grow. Because sometimes in the mental health, it's going to begin to affect relationships around you. You get married, it's going to affect your spouse. You you have kids, it's going to affect your kids. Are you emotionally healthy? Some of you are codependent. You're always dependent on someone else to fill you for your security, for a sense of significance, acceptance. If you don't find it in Jesus Christ, you're going to be so dependent on that person that what if that person, something happens to them? You will collapse. So you should always look at the health check. Are they emotionally healthy, mentally healthy? Are they relationally healthy? Are they physically healthy in terms of how they live their lives? Let me close with this one quote, and I think this will help us to understand. I love C.S. Lewis. He writes in his book, in uh, these collected letters that he wrote to different people, he said this, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. Insofar as I learn to love my earthly dearest at the expense of God and instead of God, I shall be moving towards a state in which I shall not love my earthly dearest at all. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed or, but increased. What he's simply saying is a lot of times what we forget is that when we learn to love God first with everything that we have, then we're going to be able to love people around us that we cherish that much better. A lot of times we think, oh, I need to love this person. I want to I be in this relationship and do all this stuff. But we're neglecting our relationship with God. This is the reason why some of us are struggling because we are held in bondages. Whether you are in a relationship now or maybe an underground one when no one knows about or maybe some of you are defining yourself, I don't have a relationship, I want to be in a relationship and you're always constantly looking when you should be focusing on Jesus. Learn to love Him and then you'll be able to love people and you will be able to give your best and give your all that person that God has for you. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.